0: Crossroads we are excited that you're here excited that you're joining us also online we have a bunch of people who are watching on Facebook live we also welcome them and let me also say as I do every time uh, we ask you on Facebook live not just to watch this from our particular Facebook page but also take the time to share this to your Facebook page and also feel free to comment and, and just welcome other people as they're at home or on the beach or somewhere else watching with you Speaking of beach, I wish I was at the beach. You know what I'm saying? That sounds really, really good. Some of you have been at the beach, and you made me really, really jealous. But anyway, hey, we're, we welcome you. We're excited that you're here. And again, you know, I thought this week, it's so exciting to know that we have the technology that uh, in this uh, kind of weird time that we're living in, that we can reach people. You know, we can reach them through iTunes and our podcast, and you can listen today, later today. You can listen this week. You can listen at your convenience. You can listen in your car. You can listen in your office. You can listen in your home. Or you can watch on Facebook Live. And let me just say this. We're going to be expanding to other platforms with our video uh, editions of The Message. So again, that's going to be happening in the days and weeks to come. We're just trying to get everything kind of ramped back up. We're we're not going back to normal, as you know, because this is not the normal time. We have a new time. Some new things are going to be happening. So again, it's just exciting to know that uh, things are moving in the right direction. And we're going to pray that it continues that in Jesus' name, right? I mean, we want to move in a positive direction, and we want to do bigger and better things than we've ever done before. Uh, let me also say this: It was so good uh, for me to stand outside and be able to hug you and touch some of you that I have not seen in a long, long time. Uh, I, I, I literally mean this when I say this. I have thought about numerous people this past week or so, and I you know it's just kind of funny. I, I thought about several of you uh, and some of you that I thought about you showed up. So I'm just going to keep thinking about other people, and I'm going to think about you, and I'm going to expect you to show up anyway. So it's, it's refreshing. It feels really, really good, and we're excited that you're here. You know, we're in a time, we're in a weird place, and I, I, at some point, I'm going to get tired of talking about this because, it, it, again, it's just a weird... I, I told my wife last night, we watched uh, on HBO, we watched The Last Cruise. Has anybody seen that? Uh, it's It's really about... Uh, these people who got trapped on that Diamond Princess uh, as COVID was breaking out. And they were stuck on there for like weeks and like 40-something days, I think. Uh, and my daughter, Kristen, is one of those people. She likes those kind of, you know, they're not morbid, but they're kind of weird. Uh, she likes that kind of stuff. She also likes Dateline. She, I mean, she loves those. <laughs> I mean, and, and she said, Dad, you got to watch this. And so I'm watching this last night. It's only 40 minutes, and let me just encourage you, watch it. It's worth 40 minutes of your time to watch what happened over the progression of those people's lives as they were trapped on that boat. Uh, COVID was breaking out, and one of the things that I kept hearing last night was the word contagious? You know, initially people were throwing out things that you know about COVID, about this, and you know it was nothing to worry about. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. And things were so slowly changing. Well, they were really changing pretty quickly because nobody knew how to handle it. But you kept you kept hearing the word contagious, and, and you know, anytime I hear the word contagious, it's just a reminder to me that when I hear that word, it's just signifying or telling me that something is, is able or likely to spread. And I think it goes without saying that over the last 13 months, we've seen COVID-19 spread. Uh, it's, it, it, it's spreading like wildfire. And it seems like we're getting a handle on it and things are moving in a positive direction. But even though we're moving in a positive direction, there's something else that I've seen spreading. During the last several months, re- really the last five or six months, I, I've seen something that many of you probably haven't given much thought to, but, it, but, it, but it's spreading. And, and, and it's spreading in our communities, it's spreading in our homes, it, it's spreading in our friendships and our politics, it, it, it's spreading in our churches, it's spreading in our schools, and really it's honestly spreading all across the nation. And not just our nation, it's actually spreading all across the world. And you're thinking COVID-19, you're you're tired of hearing. I'm tired of hearing about COVID-19 too. But you're probably wondering what I'm talking about. What is it that you're seeing, Randy, that's spreading everywhere? And I'll tell you what I'm seeing. It's anger. People are angry. I mean, think about it. Think about anger. Everybody's feeling it. Everybody's feeling it. Everybody experiences it. Anger is that thing that's that's starting to rise up. It starts to rise up in conversations. Anger is that thing that's making its appearance online. Anger is happening to people we know and people we don't know. But the one thing you need to walk out of here understanding today is this. Anger is contagious. Because the anger of one person will actually trigger the anger in another person. Now, don't look quickly. But right now, you might be sitting by somebody who's a carrier of anger. <laughs> the person beside you right now, don't look at them, but, but again, the person right now may be a carrier. And if you're not careful, if you trigger the anger in that person, they may trigger the anger in another person. And I talk about anger, and here's the thing I want you to understand. Some people, when you talk about this, they have a hard time believing me. So if you have a hard time believing me as it relates to anger and what's happening in our country today, here's what I want to suggest that you do. Don't do it right now. Do it after church. But this afternoon, go to any news article and scroll down to the comment section. Because I'm going to tell you this morning, and listen to what I'm saying. The comment section... That's the place that the angry people live. The angry people live in the comment section. And I'm telling you, go there this afternoon, but as I tell you, go there, don't spend much time there. Because I'll tell you, anger is contagious. And if you start reading the comments, anger may catch you in its clutches. Just by reading what people are writing. Aristotle said something 2,000 years ago that I find very interesting. Interesting. And here's what he said as it relates to anger. He said anybody can become angry. That's easy. Now look at what he says, because this is kind of where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks. It's easy to be angry. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way. That's not easy. Now some of you read that and you think, you know what? I want, I want to be that person. I, I, I want to be the person that Aristotle is talking about. I want to be able to handle anger and be the right, and do it with the right person to the right degree at the right time and for the right purpose. And I want to do it in the right way. And if that's what you desire for your life, if you're looking to change the way that you hang on, handle anger, then here's the thing. Bingo. You need to be here over the next several weeks. Because this is where we're going today and this is where we're going in the coming weeks. But see, here's the thing, as we leave that up there and as you read that, as I talk and you look at that, that some of you have read that and some of you thought, you know, I I don't need that. Some of you have said, you know what, that's not not me, I don't need this. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if you think you don't need to learn how to deal with anger in a biblical way, you're living in denial. Because none of us can say that we don't need this. Because to some degree, every person in this room, and those listening online, and those watching online, we all deal with anger. Some of you are so bad that you've embarrassed yourself in the way that you handle anger. Some of you have handled anger so bad that you've embarrassed yourself at work or among friends. Some of you have embarrassed yourself so much as it relates to anger that the people that used to like you, they don't even want to be around you because now you're angry all the time. Now, think about it you're angry at politicians, at the news media, at the people on the other side of the political aisle. You're angry when you get online, you're angry on social media. Now, listen to what I'm about to say because this is important. Some of us are so angry that we're losing our witness as a follower of Jesus Christ. We are so angry as a follower of Jesus Christ that we're losing our ability to speak into the lives of other people. You're so angry you're destroying your influence. So here's what I want to do. I want to spend time today and over the next few weeks as we tackle with what I think is one of the toughest issues of our time. And as we tackle this issue, the issue of anger, I want us to actually go to Scripture and look at God's solution. How can we unlock the secret that is found in Scripture when it comes to dealing with anger and people who are living in a time that is filled with so much anger? So here's what I need you to do. I need you to make a commitment that you're going to be here the next three weeks. And not only are you going to be here, you're going to invite somebody to come with you next week, another family, another person, an, another family member. You're going to bring them with you. Maybe somebody that you, you know that needs to hear this. And here's the thing, if you can't be here in person, then join us online, Facebook.live, facebook.com, the live version of this service at 10:30. Again it plays all week and if you can't be there on Sunday you can watch it any other day. Refer it to other people share it with other people but make a commitment that you hear at least these next three weeks. Now let me say as we get started this morning I, I want us to look at what I say is the root of anger. I want us to look at what is the root of my anger and your anger. And if we're honestly going to look at what, it, what is at the root of our anger, then the one thing we have to do, I think we have to start this morning and set the next several weeks up. We have to start this by asking a question, and the question is very simple. It's this, how do we handle, how do we deal with something that seems to be so, there's that word, that seems to be so contagious in this day and in this time? How do you and I handle it? How do you and I deal with anger? Because it seems to be so contagious in our culture, in our society, in this day and time. Well, I think one of the ways that we handle this is to look at the book of James. Because James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, James has actually written this book. And as he was writing this book... He is writing to followers of Jesus who are much like we are. I mean, in that time, in that culture, they were experiencing incredible pressure in that time in which they were living. Now, here's the thing we have to understand. Many of you don't know this. The people that James was writing to, many of those people had lost their jobs. Many of those people had been separated from their families. I didn't get to see my mother for months. She actually came to the 830 service today. That was the first time she had been out other than going to the doctor to go anywhere in 13 months. I made her come late and leave early because I didn't want her to be around a lot of people. I don't want the responsibility of her carrying something back there. So we were very, very careful. So again, we have to look at, this, at what James is writing and who James is writing to and understand that many of those people had lost their jobs. And not only had they lost their jobs, they had been separated from their families. Many of the people that James is writing to uh, are, are going through these uncertain circumstances. And again, they were facing uncertain futures. And if you look at it and you understand who James is writing to, then you understand there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety in their lives. So what does James, the half-brother of Jesus, what does he talk to them about? Guess. He talks to them about anger. And I want you to look at how he starts in James chapter 1. Turn there if you have your Bible. James says this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, that's the way he starts. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And again, here's the thing. It's really easy for you and I to just kind of read over that and think of that. You know, it's just a greeting. It's not important. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. No, it's really important to understand exactly what he was trying to say. James addresses them this way because he wants them to understand that before he starts talking about a very difficult subject, the very difficult subject of anger, he wants them to understand your family. My dear brothers and sisters, we're family. We're going to talk about something as a family. I'm going to address something. I'm going to address the subject of anger, and I want to address it in a way that you understand. But I want you to understand that my relationship and your relationship, those relationships matter. Relationships in the home matter. Relationships in the church matter. Again, I want you to understand. Relationships matter. He wants them to understand before he starts talking about anger. He wants them to understand just how important they are. So he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And then here's what he does. He follows that up with a command. Look at what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, look at that and notice that there are no qualifiers there, no qualifiers. He says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why should everybody be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry? Why would he say that? Well, I'll tell you why he would say that, because he follows that up. Look at what he says. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If you live an angry life, if you're angry all the time, he wants you to understand human anger does not give you the kind of life that God wants for you. Living with anger... Fathers and mothers, parents, now listen to me, living with anger does not allow you to have the kind of family that God wants you to have. It does not allow you to live in the neighborhood, in the community that God truly wants you to experience. Now, now think about it, because when you think about this, it's like James is giving us this really easy but very challenging solution when it comes to dealing with angry people I mean what what was the first thing he said the first thing he said was be quick to listen in other words the advice that James is giving to us is that we need to reflect before we react you know One of the guys who was instrumental in helping start this church was a guy by the name of Kevin Shaw. And Kevin gave me some advice that I'd never heard before. But one of the things he said, because I think I must have blurted out something that I probably shouldn't have said. He said, you know what? It might need to be the first thing you think, but it doesn't need to be the first thing you say. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I think that's exactly what James is saying, that we need to reflect before we react. It's the same thing that James is saying. Think about it. One of the great remedies for anger, think about this, one of the great remedies for anger in your life and mine is just simply delay. You just need to delay your reaction. Delay before you react. Don't respond impulsively. But take the time to think about what happened or what was said or the circumstances. Take the time to think about it first. Look at what it says in Proverbs 29 verse 11. I'm not going to say because there might be some, some uh, children in here. My grandchildren were in the first service and I'm trying to be a little bit better. And we don't say that word, that first word you see there around our house when the grandchildren are around. So you just read it. But, but, but the writer of Proverbs says those people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient, and they hold it back. You want to be wise, Crossroads? Listen, those online, you want to be wise? Then take a chill pill before you react. You want to be wise, and chill out before you react. Because the longer, listen, listen, the longer you hold your temper, the more your temper is going to go down. And here's the key to this point. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 27. People who stay calm have real insight. Don't you love Proverbs? I mean, if you just apply those to your life, man, you're, you're going to win. People who, who stay calm have real insight. In other words, here's what he's saying. The more that you understand, then the more understood you're going to be. The more you take the time to listen and to understand, then the more understood you're going to be when you do finally say something. And see, here's the thing about anger. Anger has been called, of all the emotion, it's the most baffling of the emotions. And when you think about anger, it can be a confusing emotion to understand. And the reason why anger is a difficult emotion to understand Now, listen, Is because anger is not the emotion that we experience first. Anger is not the emotion that you experience first. It's the second emotion. What happens is that you experience another emotion, and instead of dealing with that emotion, you jump right over that emotion to the second emotion, and anger is the second emotion. I I put it like this. Anger is like a smoke detector. Anger is like the smoke detector in your house. The smoke detector is the thing that goes off, and the problem is not the the device that's making the noise. The purpose of the smoke detector is to notify you that there's something else wrong in your house. Now bring that home because that's what anger does. Anger is telling you there's something wrong in your physical house. Anger is like a smoke detector telling you that there's something in your life, listen to me, that needs attention. I told you a while ago, anger is the second emotion. And we jump over that first emotion right to anger. And again, we get angry and we blow up and we, you know, throw up a finger and we throw a frying pan again. That's the way we react. We don't deal with the first emotion. So, what could the the first emotion be that we jump over? Let me give you. Let me give you three. The most probably the most common three. Those emotions are this: hurt, frustration, and fear. You jump right over your hurt, right over your frustration, right over your fear, and you get angry. But the people, James tells us that the people who have real insight, who have a real understanding of what's going on when they get angry, they stop. And they realize that this anger in my life is being driven by something else. It's driven by hurt, or it's driven by frustration, or it's driven by fear. Let me give you some examples. There's no doubt that over the last 12, 13 months, many of us, even our church, has been hurt financially. I mean, we, we, we don't know if we're ever going to be able to recoup. We don't know if we'll ever get back to where we were. So knowing that the last 13 months has hurt many of us financially, it's made many of us, walk where we're just walking around in life like we have a short fuse, where we're just angry all the time. But think about that. What's behind the anger that you're experiencing because you're worried about your finances and what's going to happen? Will I ever get back to where I was? What's the emotion you're dealing with? It's fear. I'm afraid. But see, here's the thing. If I act like I'm afraid, now track with me on this. If I act like I'm afraid, then that makes me appear weak to other people. It's fear. That's the emotion. Or maybe you've had to stay at home and and work from home. I mean, a couple of months into this, people were, you know, shipped off to the house and they've had to work. The husband's there, the wife's there, the kids are there, everybody's there, everybody's doing everything virtual, Zoom, you know, FaceTime. I mean, and again, you're just around each other all the time. And maybe, guys, your, your wife looks at you and, and, and you don't help and you don't cook and you don't clean up, and, and the level of craziness at your house is like they've never experienced before. And they're about to bite your freaking head off. Now, think about that. You laugh about that, but what's going on? It's anger. And the smoke detector for that anger is hurt. It's hurt because she looks at you and you're not helping. So many people right now are angry at institutions. I mean, we're angry at the school system. We're angry at the church. We're angry at the pastor. We're angry at the governor. We're angry at the president. We're angry at the Congress. We're angry, angry, angry. We're angry at the institution. So what's going on? What's behind the anger? I'm going to tell you. It's frustration. We're frustrated. So James says that we can minimize so much anger if we'll just take the time to reflect before we react. If we'll just take the time to, to stop and reflect before we speak. Reflect before we start to get angry. Reflect, James says, and be quick to listen. It made me think about a question. Has anybody in this room left a relationship in anger because other people listened to you? No. Nobody leaves in anger when people take the time to listen to them. We leave angry because we're cut off. We leave angry from a relationship because we're misunderstood. We leave angry because we've been manipulated. So it made me think, what would my relationships look like if I really took the time to do what James says? What would our relationships look like if I took... listen? If I just simply took the time to listen. It's easy. What would my relationships, what would your relationships look like if you took the time to listen? What would my relationships look like if I really took the time to understand what was beneath, what was happening? What would my relationships look like if I took the time to understand before I took the time to be understood? So James tells us, you want to deal with anger? Here's where you start. This is the first key. Reflect before you react. Here's another key to unlocking the secrets of dealing with anger or dealing with angry people. He says, be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Be slow to speak and slow to become angry. So, again, he's saying something. What is underneath what he's saying? I'll tell you. He's basically saying this. You need to restrain what you're going to say. You need to restrain your remarks. James says, be slow to speak, be, be slow to become angry. And some of you think, well, you know, that sounds really simple, but I, I, It's not. Anybody ever tried to hold like a beach ball underneath the water? It, it, it's impossible it, because the ball is going to come to the surface. It keeps popping to the surface. And the reason so that it's so difficult for us as it relates to anger is because anger is like this physiological thing that we just simply have going on in our bodies. I mean, think about it. I, again, Anger is where the, uh, the adrenaline gets pumping, and, and the a- adrenaline gets going, and, and the heart starts beating faster, and, and the blood pressure rises. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the more the blood pressure rises, the more we feel empowered to act, and the more we feel empowered, the more difficult it is to restrain what it is that we were going to say. Now, research speaks to this. Research shows that actually letting people have it, I call it ventilating. Research says that ventilating on people is actually fun. It makes us feel good. It makes people feel powerful when they're actually able to ventilate on other people. But let me tell you, that same research also shows that those people don't really enjoy being ventilated on. Amen? The ventilate or has a lot more fun than the ventilate E. And research also is really clear. It says letting it fly, ventilating on others, is not a good way for you to manage your anger because it just creates more anger. The truth is. That we manage anger better when we do what James says. We manage anger better when we are slow to speak, slow to become angry, and we don't ventilate recklessly. You know, I love Proverbs, so let's go back there for some for some wisdom. Proverbs 17, verse 28 says, even fools are thought wise if they keep Now look at that. Even fools are thought to be wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. You know what the idea is there? The idea is this. If you'll just stay silent, people don't know how foolish you really are. That's what that says. Let me give you another verse, verse 19 of chapter 10. Too much talk leads to sin. We all know that, amen? Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I mean, again, if you take what's in Proverbs and apply it to your life, you're going to be a winner. But some of you are sitting there saying, well, Randy, that sounds great, but I just can't do it. When When I get upset, I just go all to pieces and I get out of control. And I just can't manage it. I just can't handle it. I just can't do it. And I'm going to tell you, if you're saying that you can't do it, that's wrong. You can manage your anger. Listen to me this morning. Anger is always a choice. But the problem is that many times you simply don't want to control your anger. Let me me give you an example. Again, you've had to be at home working a lot over the last 13 months making sure your kids were online, making sure you were online, dealing with other things, and, and again, the blood pressure and the pressure just being in the home together, something you're not totally used to at that amount of time, it just gets to you. And, and let's just say that you're having a knockdown drag out. You know, your kids are rowdy. They're not paying attention to the teacher. They're doing their Zoom, their virtual teaching, and, and it's not working. I mean, and, and something is going on, and you and your wife are just having it out I mean, it is beyond what you can manage. And then something happens. What happens? The phone rings. And you look at the iPhone, and it's your boss. You're in the middle of a knockdown drag out, and you have to answer the phone. And you answer the phone, and you go, hello? (laughs) That's proof. You did it. It was an instant change. You can manage your anger. You can change. And maybe you say this morning, you know, this, this, this isn't for you. Maybe you could, are saying to yourself this morning, you know, I'm always able to manage my anger. I'm always able to hold back my words. But I want to remind you that unhealthy anger can take many subtle forms. Maybe you're one of those people that always sees yourself as the victim. And here's the thing. If you always see yourself as the victim, you know what you're going to use? Manipulation. Some of you get angry by using sarcasm. You get angry so you start making sarcastic statements at other people. Or or maybe you you handle uh, uh, your anger by being passive aggressive. So you just start throwing those little jabs at people. You start saying things to people that later you are not even going to own up to that you said those things. Maybe you don't have the big explosion when it comes to anger. But maybe this morning you're more like the silent assassin. And you don't make much noise. But the body count of the people that you have crossed is significant. And your life is littered with those people. James says, if you want to deal with the anger that is rising up in you, then reflect before you react. Be quick to listen. Restrain your remarks and be slow to speak and slow to become angry. And then he says something that I think is so good. Look at what he says. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires for your life. Now, now you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, what does he mean? I'll tell you what he means. He's talking about results. He's reminding you of this. He's basically saying to you this morning that you need to remember the results. You need to remember the results. Remember the results of your anger. Now, now, now let me stop here because this is a place I need to be clear. Understand me, anger in and of itself is not a sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that in your anger, don't sin. As a matter of fact, there are 256 verses in Scripture that tell us that there are times when God has gotten angry. For instance, in Psalms, it says this, Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He has a righteous kind of anger, and that righteous kind of anger, it actually flows from his justice. The kind that hates evil. So we are made in the image of God. You know what that means? That, mean God, that means that God has wired us to get angry. We have the capacity to get angry. I mean, even Jesus got angry. You remember when he saw the religious leaders scamming the people at the temple by making them pay exorbitant prices, astronomical prices, for things associated with the sacrifices at the temple? When Jesus saw that, what happened? The nostrils of Jesus began to flare in the moment in the face of injustice. And what did Jesus do? What was his response to what he saw? He started turning over the tables and running off the animals and scattering the money but I want you to notice something. Notice that Jesus turned over the tables. He struck the tables. He didn't strike the people. So sometimes anger is a positive thing. Sometimes anger will energize you to do the right thing. Let me just interject something here this morning. If you don't feel anger over rape and child abuse and human trafficking and racism and violence and the scamming of older people, then you, my friend, have a heart that has grown apathetic. I mean, think about it this morning. MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. MAD was formed by a mother who got angry at the death of her child. Her child was killed by somebody who got behind the wheel of a car and they were intoxicated. But she channeled her anger and instead of doing something negative, she channeled her anger and she did something positive. But James warns us. Now look at what he warns us. He warns us, That anger, like Aristotle said, anger not focused in the right way with the right motives, with the right controls, it will not produce the righteousness that God desires. And not only will it not produce the righteousness that God desires, we need to understand there are negative consequences. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says this, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. An angry person drives a wedge in between people. A hot-tempered person will get so upset that they often sin. And listen to, this morning, listen to me this morning. Missed, mismanaged anger oftentimes hurts families. Look with me again at Proverbs 11, verse 29. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. I mean, think about that. How many families have been destroyed by anger? How many families and marriages have been destroyed by mismanaged anger? All you have to do right now is look around. Look around at the mismanaged anger in our culture. And you realize that anger does not produce the results that God requires. The results that God desires. I mean, think about it. You, you saw it in the video. People all the time are killed on the roads because of conflict. I mean, conflict on the road has become so common, and it's getting more common in Lebanon on Friday afternoon, that we have a name for it. What's it called? Road raid. That's what we call it. In America today, there is one violent crime committed every 24 seconds. There's one murder committed every 30 minutes. And it's not just violence. Mismanaged anger plays a role in most every divorce. So it's no wonder that James says our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what do we do? How how do we handle this? What steps am I supposed to take before I throw a fit, before I flip the finger, before I I bang a fist on on the desk, or before I throw a frying pan? What am I supposed to do? Well, here's what the brother of Jesus says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me just ask you. you take time to bow your head. Bow your head and close your eyes. No matter where you're at, whether you're in the room, whether you're listening online, or whether you're watching online, just just take the time to bow your head and close your eyes. And as you do that this morning, I want to say this. I I just need you, even though your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just need you to continue to track with me. To stay with me, because what I'm about to say is probably going to be the most important thing that I say all morning. We said it today, that anger is not the real problem. Anger is not the real problem. But anger is like a smoke detector that's telling us something else is wrong. That we're feeling hurt or we're feeling frustration or or, or we're feeling fear. So here's the thing I want you to hear me say this morning. Now listen to what I'm saying. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to hear me and I want you to know and I want you to understand this morning that Jesus wants to help you with those three things, those three things that are at the, that are at the root of your anger. Jesus wants to help you and, you and you're sitting there saying in your home or in this auditorium, you're saying, well, Randy, how could he do that? I'll tell you how he can. If that first emotion that you're dealing with is hurt, you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to heal that hurt. He wants to heal your hurt with love. Now listen to what I'm saying this morning. Even if you've been abused this morning, if you've been rejected, if you feel unloved, if that's you this morning, listen listen to me, Just, just wherever you are, right where you are, Why don't you silently pray? Jesus, heal the hurt in me. Heal the hurt in me that is is helping me hurt other people. Jesus, I need you to heal the hurt in me so that I can stop hurting other people. Jesus, fill me with your love so that love is what comes out of me when circumstances are difficult. If hurt is the emotion that you're dealing with this morning, if hurt is the thing that causes you to get angry, then just ask Jesus this morning to heal the hurt with His love. Because He wants to do that. You know what else Jesus wants to do? He actually wants to relieve your frustration. He wants to relieve your frustration with His peace. I mean, think about what Jesus said. Jesus said many times, my peace I give to you. And anytime we talk about the peace that Jesus give to us, gives to us, what kind of peace is that? That's a peace that passes understanding. So maybe this morning you just pray. Jesus, would you, would you just relieve my frustration? Would you relieve my frustration with your peace? Would you just say right where you are, Jesus, I want to give you control of my life because then I won't be so frustrated trying to make things happen under my own power. Jesus, I want to be at a place where I can just actually relax in your peace. Jesus wants to relieve your frustration that leads to anger. You just have to ask him to do that. You know what the third thing that Jesus wants to do is? He wants to help you overcome your fear. Because fear is the first emotion that many of you are dealing with. And Jesus wants to help you overcome your fear with his power. I mean, the Bible tells us that... That that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but instead he gave us a spirit of power. And that's the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. That power is available to all of us who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ. So wherever you are, in this room, in your home, just with your head silently bowed and your eyes closed, why don't you just ask him this morning, Jesus, replace my fear. Replace my insecurity, Jesus, with your power. Give me, Jesus, a sense of confidence that only comes from you. A sense of confidence, not because I do things, not in what I do, not because of what I possess, not in how I look, but give me a sense of confidence because I belong to you and I'm yours. You know, here's the thing. If you've never said yes to Jesus, then maybe today is your day. Maybe right now the only thing you need to say is, Jesus, I just need you. Jesus, come into my life. Be the leader of my life. I need your help, and I need your grace. And let me just say this morning, if that's a decision that that you make, We want to know that you made that decision. And I really want to encourage you every Sunday, at least for the next few weeks, until we change things and we go back to a worship guide. Pick up one of those cards in the lobby on that table right when you come in and and feel about that. Let us know that you're here and who you are and update your information. But tell us you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Write it there where we can read it. And we'll reach out to you. Somebody will get back with you because we want to celebrate the decision that you've made. Maybe today you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ because anger has overwhelmed you. And now you realize it's not anger, it's hurt or it's frustration or it's fear. All we're simply asking you to do this morning is take one of those three emotions that really causes, it's at the root of your anger, and bring that. Bring that to the altar. Give it to Jesus. Bring it to him and let him do what only he can do in your life as you seek to find the biblical solution to handling anger and angry people. God, we thank you for this morning, for this time, a time of worship, a time of of God's people in God's house worshiping the one true God. And God, we ask you this morning as we confront this topic, which is so prevalent in our lives, and in our society, to do what only you can do. And we're going to be talking about a couple of tough subjects the next couple of weeks. God, continue to work through this to help us be light in the darkness, a difference in our community. But the difference has to start with us dealing with what's going on in our own lives today we bring it. We bring it to the altar and we give it to you as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name.
1: i that we can go into the dark places in our lives, the challenging moments, and you light the way. You're that column of fire, Lord. That may be scary for others, but that's not scary for us. We know that you are powerful. You're making a way. Even in the face of death, we just celebrate Easter, Lord. We celebrate your resurrection. Something that no one had done by their own power.
0: sunset somebody gets your table and you're hurt you just walk on like that and you just say you ain't gonna make me angry you ain't gonna make me angry because i'm gonna be slow to speak and quick to listen slow to become angry because i want my life to produce the righteousness